oh yes, this is not my first time doing this either. It was a matter of, and this was explained to me very clearly, that I needed to go through that phase of having no connection to the metaphysical and being removed from it so that I could relate to the rest of society. You got to You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Hi, you're with Karen, accentuating the positive as usual. I'm so excited to have Charles Pennon with me on the show. He's a former skeptic of all things paranormal. I've had a few of those on the show lately. Charles had a ghost appear in his home in January 2006. After extensive research and repeated contact with the ghost, Charles discovered the ghost's identity and the ability to communicate with both ghosts and spirits from our loved ones who have passed over. Five months after having his first paranormal experience as an adult, Charles began providing readings to the general public. Two months later, you began communicating with live animals and began working with such groups as the Humane Society and other and others involved in animal rescue. Charles is a professional psychic medium, animal communicator, and communicates telepathically with all forms of life and spends his days connecting individuals with their loved ones, both living and past. So great to have you on the show, Charles. Thank you for having me on, Karen. It's a real pleasure. It's a great story. I love your story. I've spoken to a lot of former skeptics that have woken up to amazing paranormal, as they call it, abilities. Do you want to give us a little rundown of what exactly happened with the ghost thing? Certainly. Um, As uh, you um, mentioned, you know, this was my first experience as an adult. So that kind of alludes to the fact that I had a few experiences as a child when I was in the younger age group, like three to five, maybe up to six at the oldest. I would see little things and, you know, I would mention it to people and they would poo-pot and go, oh, that's not real. You're making it up. You're looking for attention. And, you know, (laughs) pretty soon you go, okay, active, overactive childhood imagination, go away. And you suppress it. Yep. And so I pushed it into the corner and the deep bar recesses of my mind. And there's, you know, it was like, okay, I got to. I got to get a job. I've got to pay taxes. I've got to be an adult. I got to do, you know, you grow up and you do what you have to do. And then January 24th of 2006 happened. My wife and I were getting ready for bed. It was about 1030 at night. Uh, I was walking down the hallway after exiting the bathroom. And I felt something behind me. And I thought it was her opening the door to get a final word in edgewise. So I turn around, fully expecting to see my wife there. And instead, there's this woman who, she's about, mm, you know, six foot or just a little under that. She's got dark brown hair, almost black, and it's quite long, longer than my wife's. She's slender, dressed in this dress that doesn't look from the time period. It had these poofy shoulders, and it was brown, and it had this small buttons that went all the way up to the neck. and went all the way down to her ankles and I looked at her and I was like, wow, okay, that's kind of a weird get up to be in my house burglarizing me. <laughs> How'd you get in? What are you doing here? I live in a <laughs> condo on the second floor. I'm checking the doors and windows going, what the heck happened here? <laughs> Seriously, you're wearing something a little weird, but. Can I just ask you? Yeah, go ahead. When you say you saw her, because mm-hmm. I don't see what people deem as ghosts. I see spirit, but I see only a light. It comes to me as light. So I've never had a a vision like you're describing because I have quite extensive psychic ability myself, but I've never had that vision. So I'm fascinated. When you say you saw someone, is it like a real person standing in front of you and you're looking with your eyes? What what does it look like? It looked just like a regular person in my house. Hence the reason I was doing the double take and going, wow, how'd you get in my house? Checking doors and windows. So she looks solid. Oh, absolutely. At first. Wow. I did my double take. And that's where I turned my head, looked forward, turned back, and I looked behind me again. And there she is. She's another foot and a half, two feet closer to me. And now I'm starting to be able to see through her. And that right. chill went through me. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is 
This is not supposed to happen. <laughs> Only in the movies, you know? And then this classic horror picture move where they go flying through your body and you feel the, the spirit fly through your chest happen. She entered the small of my back, my chest, and I feel her emotional state. Oh. And I feel this chill and this, this terror take a hold of me. And the, this question of why did it have to end this way? Why did you have to choose this method of taking care of what you had to take care of. And I come to find out she's with child. She's in her first trimester. And what had happened was that she had been involved with a gentleman who was a blue blood uh, son in the sense that he was a politician. He was well to do and he was an Irishman and she was a Portuguese farmer's daughter, a recent immigrant. And so someone was hired to remove her from the picture when the gentleman got her pregnant. Right. And so after that time, and that was right around the turn of the century, she remained in spirit as a ghost on that land. Now, since the time that she had initially lived there, I mean, it was first a citrus grove after the early settlers came in and actually her father tended to the grove. And so she told me the following day, well, let me finish from that evening. So that evening, as I have her pass through my body, I scream out. I go, whoa, or something like that. My wife opens the door. She turns around. She looks at me, and she goes through, you know, looks down the hallway and sees me there. And she's like, honey, are you okay? I'm like, no. She's like, what, an earthquake? I'm like, no. She goes, what, a ghost? She says it kind of jokingly, and my response is, uh, 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 uh-huh, yeah. And she walked right through me, and she's like, that's not funny. I'm like, uh-uh, nope, not funny. <laughs> Let's go sit down and talk about it. So we sat on the couch and I started to describe what I had seen and she shocks me. My wife says, she goes, honey, I didn't want to tell you, but two years ago, that same woman walked from our daughter's bedroom through the hallway into our bedroom and I didn't say a thing. Uh -huh. I said, well, gosh. she goes, well, I thought you'd think I was crazy. I said, well, scoot on over because I'm crazy too. <laughs> 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 this is weird. <laughs> but and so I, I, love your, I love your personality <laughs> so the next day we didn't talk about it oh no no we went about our daily business like nothing had ever happened and after she had passed through my chest by the way she had vanished immediately so i didn't see any more or hear any more of her that night but let me ask you when you got uh, all the information about her story how did you get that information did she tell that, you that the following night yes so the very next day, I'm in the bathroom. I'm standing there. It's about 10 o'clock. I'm brushing my teeth. I look up. Oh, she's in the mirror standing beside me. Oh, my God. This is like a horror movie, Charles. Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, this is not happening. All right? I've seen this episode. Oh, uh, uh, what was that? Uh, the Crypt Keeper? I used to watch that a long time ago. <laughs> HBO Tales from Beyond the Crypt. Oh, this is starting to have uh, shadows of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Check the water. I'm thinking, is somebody drugging me and I don't know it? <laughs> <laughs> so she turns to me and, she, and tells me her name. She goes, Isabel. And I said, okay. All right, talk to me. And all of a sudden, it was kind of like if you were to have a daydream and you're standing in some place and all of a sudden you kind of remember a place that you used to be and try to imagine yourself standing there. But it was more visceral than that. And I could see the land as it was when she lived there. Right. Instead of the condos, I see a citrus grove. All of a sudden, I see this house that has a very specific type of architecture to it, which I later was able to find all throughout town and confirm that it was from that time period. In addition to that, she then started to tell me what year it was, what her father's name was, what her mother's name was, what occupations they held. I was like, wow. That's a lot of information that I can research. So I started doing some searches on Ancestry.com, and I also started searching for original uh, platting or, you know, like uh, maps of the original township, you know, of Venetia. Boy, was I ever able to strike gold. I found this map that had a very clear plat that was marked, or parcel that was marked, Silva. It was her family name. Mm. And I did some research, came to find out it was at one time a citrus grove. And when I went to the Town Historical Society, everything was confirmed. And they told me that I had the ghost of Isabel Silva in my home. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like you had a bleed through. Do you know what a bleed through is? 
know what it bleed through is, but it, that would have been different than what took place because she was actively engaging with us. She but she actively... would have been having, like, in her time frame, she would have been, you would have been her daydream. Mm, she knew she was dead. She knew she was dead? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She knew who did it, too. Uh-huh. So go Very on. Keep going. Come on. CSI. Uh, <laughs> so what happened next was pretty simple. She stayed with us for three months. Right. And my abilities continued to expand to where I'd be out in public and ghosts who are out in public would follow me home. I remember distinctly this one girl came home with me one day and as she walked in the house. She got in an argument with the other ghost, with Isabel, over the fact that I was Isabel's person because I could communicate with her. Therefore, she couldn't have access to her. So she became very jealous. And it was quite uh, amusing and kind of... Um, Mm, interesting too. <laughs> so they would argue and stuff. And so I would actually be able to watch the ghosts interact with each other. In addition to the interactions I was having with them. And my wife was able to pick up on this material too. And she had experiences when she was in early in her earlier years as a child as well. In fact, to the point where at one time she um, was told by her parents that she was crazy because of the voices she was hearing. So what happened next was, I was the um, founder or one of the principal founders of the North American Sea Lass Association. And we had this big festival coming up. And I also owned a company called By the Bay Treasures, where I did guided beachcombing tours. Um, I did uh, kayaking tours. And I also uh, sold sea glass and sea glass jewelry, which I also manufactured as well. It, it got very, very difficult to focus on my work when I had all these disruptions. So I called up the vice president of the uh, association. I said, listen, Richard, I got a problem. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in spirits? He goes, oh, absolutely. My father, he was into uh, near-death research. And um, he would have loved to have had a chat with you. I said, oh, well, where is he? He goes, oh, he's dead. It's too bad. I said, oh, so we can call him up then. <laughs> like, oh, I guess so. Mm how does that work? <laughs> I said, well, we asked him a couple questions that only you know the answer to. Call him control questions. He goes, okay. How did he lose his ring? So I connect with his father and I ask his father, I said, sir, how did you lose your wedding ring? Because your son here wants to know. And I saw an image of him throwing a football with his left hand in the surf in Jersey. It was in New Jersey. And he's throwing a football, and I see him very clearly losing the football and the ring at the same time, flying into mm. the surf. Mm. So I bring that forward, absolutely confirmed. They were at the beach, and he lost it while playing football in the surf. So we were really off and running after that. So mm. shortly after that took place, my wife had made friends with um, one of the metaphysical shops in town, or the only one at the time. And uh, had stopped in and talked to Ron, the owner, and said, hey, Ron, my husband's been having these experiences. He's communicating with spirit. You might want to talk to him. And prior to that, I would have never gone in a location like that. I was a complete <laughs> new agey stuff. Uh-uh, nope, running the other way. Incense and uh-uh, chanting. Uh-uh, no, uh-uh. No, I'm not doing any of that stuff. <laughs> and I had a background in computer science. And so, you know, ones and zeros made a lot of sense to me. And anything that... You couldn't prove that uh, I, I had issues with that. Mm. Then what happened was he contacts me. He goes, hey, you want to come over to my shop and you want to provide your services to the general public? You want to, you know, let, let some people, you know, talk to their loved ones through you? So you must like, have been okay. one of the few psychics in town, I suppose. Yeah, I went looking for answers. I couldn't find answers from anyone. I was trying to figure out how to work with what was happening to me. Yeah. And I really was coming up blank. So what I started doing was I figured, well, I'm getting answers from those in spirit. Let me reach out to those who are professional psychic mediums when they were alive, who are now deceased. So I did, started doing research and asking for those individuals to meet me in a dream state, especially. And so I did what I call now customizing your spirit guides. So I asked for various individuals to connect with me and to teach me how to work with what I was experiencing and whether or not I should go down that path. And I was very, very firmly shown this is the way to go. <laughs> Charles, how did you even know you had spirit guides? I mean, for a skeptic to reach out to spirit guides and say, okay, guys, 
No one in town can tell me what's happening. You guys have got to teach me. How did no, you I know? Out, well, I reached out to people who were already in spirit, who I didn't know, who had already done this type of work when they were alive. So these are people who are publicly, you know, researchable and, you know, recognizable. Right. Yeah, uh, Edgar yeah. Cayce, for example. Edgar Cayce. So, uh, so did you right. chat with Edgar Cayce? Oh, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. What did you say? Well, he showed me a little bit about time and space because I was having trouble with the whole being able to see into the future thing. Yeah. And he showed me a book. And the book was shown to me in the standard fashion where you look at it from the front uh, page, you turn the page, and you're reading in a very you know top-down, left-to-right fashion. And as you're moving through that book, you're covering time and space. The time it took you to read that material and the space it took you to get from page one to the end of chapter 13, where you've covered a quarter inch of material. So that's time and space. However, if we were to flip that book just slightly on its edge and we were to look at it on the edge where all the pages can gently fan open, you can really step to any period in time there without having to go through a lot of effort. Yeah really just a matter of perspective and so time is a little bit more fluid and then we tend to look at it but what i see when i look at like future material is the most probable outcome at that given moment of everybody and everything continuing on the path that it's on at that moment kind of like weather forecasting yeah, yeah. so back to the uh, metaphysical shop so i my very first day i had eight appointments i thought oh my goodness that's kind of cool. Okay, I can talk to spirit. That's all I got to do. I'll be fine. And the first woman asked me about her career. And I just went, oh, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. She wants career advice? And all I know how to do is talk to her dead loved ones. Um, I could ask her loved ones about career advice. But all of a sudden, I started seeing images coming through. And the images I was seeing were her working in a hair salon. And I could see the lighting was the major issue. And I saw a brand new facility being opened. And in that new facility, I saw too many people who were boss. I saw a conflict. And so I started to describe everything I was seeing to her, and she confirmed every little detail. Thanked me profusely for putting the brakes on partnering with this one person who was really adamant about wanting to partner with her. And she also confirmed light was one of the key elements to why she was selecting the location that she was selecting because she hated the lighting in the place that she worked presently. That came to me without having to go through another party. I was able to just take a look and see it. That was exciting. And the next reading was also equally exciting because it also opened up something else I didn't know about. All of a sudden, I see a dog, a German Shepherd. I'm like, oh my goodness. I see a dog and he keeps saying 12 to me. He keeps saying 12. And this woman who's sitting there, she goes, oh, my goodness, that's my, that's my sister's dog, Shadow. He's 12 years old when he passed. Mm. Hold on. My sister's here. She's wandering through the store. Let me go get her. So I proceeded to bring through her dog. And that was really cool. I was like, oh, my goodness, I can talk to animals that have passed on. How exciting is that? <laughs> <laughs> Where's it going to stop? What's next? <laughs> what a ride. What a fabulous what? ride. Oh, it was nutty. It was like everything was just unfolding. And just when you thought you'd seen it all, another avenue opened up and it was like, oh, goodness, animals are included too? Cool. <laughs> How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? <laughs> I go very, very far. I went down far. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, then um, I started doing readings there like once a week. And something else was going on with By the Bay Treasures. And that was kind of a big issue. I'd answer the phone, and I'd take an order, and I'd be going, okay, yeah, I can get a package of the aqua blue sea glass out to you with a little pack of the drill bits, the diamond tips. Yeah, I can do that for you. By the way, it is stillborn six years ago, female, correct? Oh, you did. You're not ready to talk about it. I'm sorry. Now, about that order, click. Honey, we lost another one. <laughs> oh, jeez, what are we going to do? I don't know. My hobby is bleeding into my work. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it became very disruptive, extremely so, to the point where, you know, sometimes we're up till 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning dealing with spirit kids who are needing us to talk to their parents. And, I mean, we had some crazy experiences. Or we're driving across the Bay Bridge and we got a lion in spirit with us in the car. 
and my two-year-old daughter is able to see the lion and is responding and interacting with the lion even after we get home. That was nuts. That was cool, though. I was like, yeah, our daughter sees him, too. What did the, okay. what did the lion want? Oh, we had gone to the zoo, and my wife said the animals were talking, and I was poo-pawing her at the time. I was like, yeah, right. And they said, you know, the dead ones are talking. Sure, I believe that, but not the living ones. Come on. Like, no, serious, the cassaway. He says he has a big uh, brain. That's why he has a big head. And I'm like, uh huh, right. So we're just kind of chit chatting away. And then um, I was in the lion house. I was in the big cat house. This is a San Francisco zoo. And I was looking at the wall where all the memorial photos were for all the former big cats. And I was thinking, boy, you guys had it rough, but at least you were an ambassador for your species. You know, I respect that. And, you know, trying to give them a little love and very clearly we connected with a couple of them and one or two of them followed us at least one and um we had a good time with them but it was just an opportunity to bond with somebody you know just chat for those people that are out there that are animal lovers because mm-hmm. i realize that we've got not a lot of time mm-hmm. what do the animals say to you about being in a zoo because i know animal lovers get really upset about mm-hmm. animals being in yeah. a zoo are the animals okay with being in a zoo you know do they talk yep. to you on the animal it depends upon let me lay it out this way animals are no different than you and i they're the same the only big difference is that they have a different vehicle so the body is a vehicle Mm. and spirit is just like you and i they have a spirit it has needs and goals and dreams based upon the vehicle you're driving Mm. so if you're out there and you drive a car your view of the world is different than someone who drives a or flies an airplane right all of a sudden, you have different needs, you have different desires, and you have different abilities. So based upon the vehicle you have, that's how you interact with others and your environment. So at their core, though, animals are the same as you and I, in the sense that they have a spirit that has the same capacity for any emotion that we have. There's no difference. None. Zip. Zero. So when people ask me how they feel about being um, kept in a captive environment, the response would be, it's the same as for some humans. Some appreciate being kept. They like not having to think and worry about where their next meal is going to come from. Yeah. They like the fact that they have medical uh, care. They love the fact that they're adored. Um, mm. I've talked to penguins before who are like, yeah, man, are you kidding? <laughs> oh, yeah, we get, we get none of those nasty uh, tiger seals or whatever, you know, leopard seals coming after us and all that other stuff. And yeah, we're adored and, you know, they play with us and so on and so forth. And then I've had the others where it's like, are you kidding? Get me the heck out of this place right now. I need Mm -hmm. to be free. This is ridiculous. And so it really goes both ways. There's no, mm, there's no stock response where you can say animals dislike being in zoos. Yeah. It depends on the zoo, depends upon the animal, depends upon the individual more than anything. Yeah, same goes with dolphins. I know there's a lot of people that get very upset Absolutely. about whales and dolphins being in captivity, and I, su- I suspect it dolphin. depends on the dolphin. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And, and even if you're not an animal communicator, they'll communicate that with you by being sick or being happy, I guess. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So after uh, all those experiences, and especially with the uh, material bleeding into my, you know, my day job, I asked the universe, I just put it out to the universe and said, to whoever's watching, to whoever's listening, show me what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Show yeah. me a sign. Show I want it to be sign. so clear. It's no disputing it. I was on the travel channel. I had just been filmed for an episode of uh, Treasure Hunter with Kirsten Gum. I was uh, rappelling into, you know, these beaches, kayaking in the surf and doing, you know, it was pretty exciting stuff. And I was having a blast and I was getting all kinds of recognition all over the place for my jewelry. Uh, the website was doing fantastic. And the Sea Glass Association, wow, thousand in our first festival. We were able to donate to Surfrider Foundation and give back to the community. Everything was going really well. And it, yet at the same time, this material was bleeding into my work. So I said, what should I do? I get on my kayak and I drift out into the Carquina Strait. And very soon, uh, about 20 minutes, I, I come up against the shore, pull the kayak up onto the high tide mark and they're just off the bow six inches off the bow there's this human looking skull it's like day of the dead style like a sugar skull it looks like it's made out of plaster or paris or something like that i pick it up and i'm like okay yeah that's that's death all right i i, I get the message 
Okay. <laughs> Pretty clear. That was in 2008. Mm, mm. So I put my up for sale. I sold by the Bay Treasures. And I proceeded to move forward with doing readings full time. So it's a lot of fun. I love talking to the animals. And um, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, you know, coming from that, I'm a complete skeptic and I had a really successful business and I don't know why this happened to me. You must know now why it all happened to you. I mean, because well, I believe that we, we come in with intentions to experience something in this lifetime. You must be present that you decided to do this before you came in. Oh, yes. This is not my first time doing this either. Yeah. It was a matter of, and this was explained to me very clearly, that I needed to go through that phase of having no connection to the metaphysical and being removed from it so that I could relate to the rest of society. Yeah. Once okay, I came cool. back to my abilities, saying that as a child, I had these early experiences, but if I had had them continue, I would have had a much different outlook on reality and life and interacting with others. Uh -huh. But because those abilities were suppressed early on and I moved through up until my thirties as a skeptic, that gave me the ability to interact with others who are also coming from that background. You took the blue pill, Charles. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference to the Matrix movie. <laughs> I actually do events in the same cave that was the inspiration for Zion, the city underground, right. in the Matrix. Uh -huh. So we actually have some props from the Matrix set that are sitting at the cave, and I do events in this place called Black Chasm. It's a gorgeous venue, and so I'll channel inside this crystal filled chamber. And yeah, that's directly tied to the uh, yeah, Matrix movie. Fantastic. Yeah, it's quite the uh, departure from beachcombing and uh, <laughs> rappelling down cliffs and kayaking through the surf. Ah, beautiful. Let me ask some questions that I know that people would want to know, specifically about the animals, because I know there's so many incredible, I come across so many incredible animal lovers that... You know, I feel like they're on the planet specifically to take care of their needs, but they might not be necessarily psychic. And so all of them are vegetarian and they get very upset about the fact that people eat animals. Right. What do the animals say about that? Again, it would go back a little bit to that it's an individual thing, but it's very clear to me, obviously, that anything that involves inhumane treatment, i.e. factory farms and such, re confinement, restraint, you know, so forth, that's all bad. And you're creating a really bad situation for the animals and for yourself on a karmic level, et cetera, et cetera. However, when we subscribe to more of the, I would say in this country, the Native American way of looking at things, where we honor the spirit of the creature that we have taken for food and for sustenance. And the big thing is this. I talk with all species, and they're not all vegetarians. Yeah, and, most of them are not vegetarian. Right, exactly. And yeah. in addition to that, mm -hmm. I can communicate with plants, too, at the same level. There is no, mm -hmm. again, life is life. Yep. Mm -hmm. So when you're connecting with the spirit of a plant, I've had a plant, for example, say, listen, I was discarded and I was left for dead and they put me by the dumpster and I'm telling this person, you got the sunflower that's by the dumpster in a pot that's broken? Are you kidding me? They're like, yeah, I left it in the trunk of my car for Six days. Wait a minute, you're talking to that? <laughs> I didn't tell anyone about that. Well, now you're making me feel really guilty. I can't tell you how many plants I've killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the craziest thing. I'll be doing a reading for somebody, and I'm like on the phone with them. I'm like, hold on a second. Um, this is really weird, but you have a floor-to-ceiling window that's not being utilized properly in your living room. You have a plant that's down in the end of the hallway, and it tells me it needs a light that's in the living room. Uh -huh. And then I describe the plant, and they're like, yeah, that's correct. I'm like, wow, okay, that's crazy. Um, yeah, that was interesting. Blue pill was definitely swallowed. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to your plants. You know, there's a community in Scotland called Findhorn. They've been that. talking about that yes. for yes. yeah, for years. So people that they grow, they have these veggie gardens and they all go out and sing and talk to their plants yeah. and they grow these massive vegetables. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I garden myself and I got 48 fruit trees. You betcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so basically all forms of life can communicate. And going back to the computer background, though, I got to tell you, that came in super handy because for me, everything works like a smartphone. It's all on binary code. Yeah. So when I'm communicating with someone, 
and say, for example, I was talking to somebody's uh, missing cat today. Yes. And the cat was describing to me the bedspread on the woman's bed as help for additional confirmation of a connection with them. Yeah. They'd already described the fact that they were Siamese, that they were six years old, so on, so on, so on. And then they added the additional details of where my client's sitting at the time that I'm talking with her and what shade of blue was on the bed. What I'm seeing is literally that shade of blue. But let's think a minute for about how we actually perceive our reality. Our senses, our five senses, are receiving information and relaying it as electrical impulses into our brain. It's really a bunch of electrical code. Yep. It's and energy and information. That, exactly. And that means it's really just a series of pulses of yes and no or ons and offs, mm -hmm. ones and zeros. When you break it down, it's binary code. Mm. So when I'm communicating with spirit, it's really, or an animal, it's really easy for me to get a yes or a no response because a yes is a little pulse of energy. A no is a flat line, uh -huh. no response whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So once I start seeing the image, I can start quickly asking questions like, for example, when I saw that big expanse of blue that looked like a blue bedspread to me, I said, is this a bedspread? And immediately I felt a, mm, a pulse of energy. And so that's a yes. So I know that it's a bedspread that I'm dealing with and I need to bring that forward. So earlier I was working with another animal who they described an event that took place at their home this week as help for additional confirmation. And so they said, yeah, we had insulation blown into the attic way. I see this white material. At first I thought it was like dough, like someone was beating dough into this square uh, like pizza tray or something. And then I looked and it looked like it was more like rafters I'm looking at. And then I can see that it's white material that's being blown. And I go, but then I see it's usually pink, but it's not pink. And this one's blown. So I go, you had insulation installed. You just had it done, didn't you? And she goes, oh my God, how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> Your dog's telling me. Your dog's like, telling well, me. Exactly. You know, it's I want to go back to the animals and, and vegetarianism because yes. I don't know if we quite you, finished okay. that. Talk to these rabbits. This woman, she's uh, a client of mine who we had communicated several times with her dogs and such. Well, one time in a group setting, she was sitting there and I kept describing rabbit parts, like rabbits who had been cut up for meat consumption. And initially I assumed, which was a mistake, that they were for animal consumption, like for a dog who had eaten really well, so to speak. And so I'm bringing that mm -hmm. forward. And I'm getting no, 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 no. And then I go, wait a minute. The rabbits tell me they were raised for human food. They're very clear about this. And the woman raises her hand. She goes, yes, that was me. I raised him when I was a kid. This was like 80 years ago. Mm -hmm. She's now in her late 80s. She goes, ever since you brought through my dogs, I was afraid you'd bring through the rabbits I raised for food. I've been fearing this day. I've been waiting in dread for it. <laughs> I said, well, let me ask them what they and see what they have to say. And the rabbit's response, because she had been very worried about this and been almost obsessing over it ever since she discovered animals could talk. The rabbit's response mm -hmm. was, we knew we were prey animals when we came down here. It's the way we usually go. If that doesn't take us, then it's going to be disease or famine or something else. It's a hard life. Uh -huh. At least when we were with her, she gave us good care, quality care, and it was a quick end. We didn't suffer. So we appreciate that. And yes, you got to eat, and others would have taken us anyways if they hadn't, and so it's just the way it was. So they're very understanding that their body provides sustenance for other animals. Yeah. And humans are part of the animal chain, yeah. and we are not removed from the animal. To say that we are and to look at a pig's heart and our heart and say that they're different, you're nuts. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well. The so the way I see it is show respect and appreciation for their life don't be cruel about it don't hunt for sport you know yeah. only do what you need to sustain yourself and if possible try to go other routes which are less less impact but it, um yeah i'm i'm certainly not a vegetarian i i'm a you know i eat pretty much anything yeah. within reason mm -hmm. but i try to keep it to cruelty free and all that other stuff as much as possible and i eat primarily vegetarian but that's not something i you know i'm militant about or anything like that and i've lost a lot of clients because of that right and you know it's just the way it is i'm not going to tell the animals all right you cats you got to stop eating mice yeah 
and you birds, you got to stop eating other birds, and you snakes, you got to stop eating each other. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah, the way, I, the way I understand it is that there is a contract, a sole contract with the animals that they do come in knowing that they have come in for food, whether it's for food for animals or for food for humans, but they have that agreement yes. and they're happy to have whatever life they have while they're here. But they understand the eternal nature of us and that, you know, a short life doesn't mean it's the only life and, there's, and that there's, you know, plenty more to come. You can come. Like sometimes when yeah. I kill a cockroach, I say, well, I'll see you back here next week when you reincarnate. <laughs> Sorry, but I'll see you back here next week. So, you know, yeah, that brings into question, you know, parasites. You know, I just took a a stray cat in five days ago, and he's this gorgeous Maine Coon, this beautiful male, and we need to take care of him. So I gave him a bath the first day I had him. My wife goes, you're nuts. You're taking a stray cat in. You're going to give him a bath within less than an hour of meeting him? Are you? Oh, he was so well-behaved. Anyways, three hours later, he's been groomed with a fine tooth comb. Almost all of his mats are out, got all the burrs out, and, you know, he's doing great. He understood very well what I was doing and what my intentions were. And he came back the very next day after spending the uh, evening with us and the night. And the next day, he went out and came back that following day. And so I figure any cat who goes out and gets, um, you know, bathed and returns, he's a good, he's a keeper. Yeah. (laughs) But bottom line, though, is that. I don't think any less of him because he goes and hunts. Yeah. And yes, there is a, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a soul contract, but there's certainly an understanding that when you come in here as an animal and, or as a human, you serve a particular role in the great food chain or circle of food, you know, the great circle of life. So that's, you know, something that is the nature of the physical experience. And the animals are blessed in the fact that they all know that we're spirit. Yeah. And they know that the end of the physical body isn't the end of the, of the experience. It's just another chapter in that ride. Yeah. And so us humans, we've stepped away so much from that connection with our telepathic communication abilities and such and being able to feel on that level that we don't even acknowledge that we're necessarily spirit. We've gotten to the point where we cling to the physical form and we think that that's all there is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we yes, a great, great, you know, uh, you know, white knuckle. Oh no, 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 don't take, don't take me. It's the ultimate punishment. Yeah, yeah. It's a forbidden subject too. Yeah. People don't like to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we're all going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. So, no one's getting out of here alive, Charles. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> death is a terminal, con- or life is a terminal condition. So <laughs> we could do a few more puns if you like. <laughs> <clears throat> what What do you call a me? Uh, let's see here, a midget who's a psychic who's on the run from the law. Uh, I don't know. What do you call them? Short, medium, at large. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Of course. How do you perform a uh, an intervention on a uh, psychic? I don't know how. Take away the obituary page from the newspapers. <laughs> oh, God. You've got to have a sense of humor, I tell you, with all this stuff. You just got to. I do it. I do. For Memorial Day, uh, Memorial Day week, man, I, I had this woman. She wanted to connect with three animals who are living. She wanted to check in with her son, who is deceased, if he happened to show up. So I go, okay, well, let's talk to your dog, let's talk to your horse, and let's talk to your cat. I'm looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> and I see this dog, and I describe the dog. I know it's not the one you want to talk to, but this one says he's in spirit. She goes, yeah, I know that dog. I said, okay. She goes, ask if my son's with him. And the dog's response was, well, here he is. You can talk to him yourself. <laughs> and I said, I don't think we're going to get to your living animals for a minute. <laughs> your son really wants to talk really badly. Oh. All of a sudden, he tells me, he goes, Mosul, Iraq. Sniper round. I took it in the chest, not the head. That's how he died. And I, yeah, I felt it. I could see it, and it was. And he lived about, I think, a minute and a half after he was struck. Yeah, that was pretty intense. Wow. So he didn't leave the body straight away because often people leave their body oh. when they know they're going to die before they actually get hit. They kind of like, oh, here comes the bullet. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, that's the funny thing. People always talk about, oh, yeah, their life flashes before their eyes, before they die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they don't. Listen, I have connected with so many people who are in that situation where it's like, okay, 
um, yeah, the plane is spinning out of control. How do I get out of the spin and dive? They don't have their life flashing before their eyes. They're looking at the instrument panel and they're working frantically to get things to work. Yeah, well, <laughs> what's going through it de- again, again, coming back to, you know, it depends on the individual circumstances. But yeah, some of them do have, they are privy to a life review in that split you're, second. If Look, you're in, yeah, some of them yeah. do a little bit, you know, but the majority of them, no, that's not the traditional, you know, movie uh, description doesn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> I just finished a conversation, Charles, with the most fascinating woman, called Natalie Sudman, who was blown up in a bomb in Iraq in 2006-07. She had what she calls the blink moment. So she left her body, but in physical terms, there was a continuum. Like she was blown up and then she sort of woke up and she was all... So there was really no time lapse in the physical, maybe a couple of seconds of being out, you know. I'm familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, an out-of-body experience. I've done those myself. Yeah, and she had this intense experience in this what's like a second on earth and she wrote this book about it and it's like years in in what would seem like years in our time over on the other side oh you can doing much material doing a life review and talking to her mob her spirit guides and downloading information and having a rest and the most fascinating book but in our time it was like a second but in time over there it was like ages yeah that makes perfect sense to me it also it's similar to there's different ways of communicating. So when you're receiving those binary downloads of information, which is just a replica of what your nervous system or your, um, you know, your own senses are sending up to your brain to process, only you're receiving it wirelessly as opposed to on a hardwired, you know, circuit. Um, when you're processing that information, it's possible to feel everything that that person felt at that moment. Plus, you can receive that information in two ways. One, which is a real-time transfer of information. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like a conversation like you and I are having. Yeah. The other one, and this is the one that always befuddles me, but it's just so much fun because, boom, all of a sudden you know it. Yeah, download. All that Bang. Just there. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, 10 gigabytes. Boom. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Look, I... <laughs> Don't recall it, but there it is. Yes. Yeah, look, I have trouble with that because I receive information both ways. But when you receive that bang, that big sort of download of information and you're talking to people, you're trying to get that information. I fall over my words because there's so much to communicate and it's coming so quickly that I fall over my words and often I don't finish sentences because I'm on to the next thing. I've got to sort of try to learn how to unpack the information, like decode it, unpack it and then get it out in a cohesive way. So you probably do something similar to what I do, which is when I'm really tuned into somebody and I'm listening to them intently, I hear them with an echo. So what I hear is I hear their thoughts and then I hear them actually Uh say it out loud. So it's got a split second delay. It's like listening to somebody do a, you know, like a delay over the air or something like that for a, a, like a video feed or something. And it's really annoying because it's not a video feed, but an audio feed. And it's like, okay, um, you don't need to finish that sentence because I already got the rest of it. Yeah, we already, I already heard everything you were going to say. Sorry. Can we just. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's well. Look, look, a lot of people do that when they're talking to someone, and someone stumbles for a minute. They go ah, and then the person finishes their sentence because they've already received the information before the person and can that, get it out. And people don't really pay a whole lot of attention to when they're doing that sometimes. And yes, that, that's right. Step. That's one of the first steps of being able to do what we are capable of doing on a regular basis. Exactly. So. Mm-hmm. I've been teaching these classes where the first time I taught one, I figured I'm going to teach people how to use their uh, body as a pendulum to get the yeses and nos. And then Uh mind, when you see images in your mind, you ask yourself, it's just like the smartphone screen. Did I generate this image? Is this something I produced? Or is this a download of information from an outside source? And so by parsing out material, it's very easy to determine what the source of the information is and what the uh, reason for that information is, you know, what, And so what I'll do is I'll pair up someone with a stranger, because if you're um, asked to connect with someone who you already know information about, you're going to start second guessing yourself like nobody's business. Yeah. doesn't serve Mm -hmm. anything good. So what I'll do is I'll partner someone up with someone who they've never met before. And I'll ask them to basically bring forward that animal or that loved one for that other person using no photographs, no descriptions, nothing other than a name. 
that's it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. or the species that we're dealing with, because I don't want them going, is that a cat or a dog or a horse? We'll make it a little easier for you. Yeah, but yeah. what happens so, is inevitably is 80 to 90% of them end up channeling in ways that they never thought they could do. Bring in through. I know it's so exciting, isn't it? Describing exact causes of passing, physical appearances, yeah. personal uh, quirks, traits, behaviors. It's just astonishing. And so I'll ask everybody at the end of the lesson, I'm like, so did anybody surprise themselves here with what you're capable of doing on a telepathic basis? Inevitably. Like I said, 80 to 90% of the hands go flying up. Yeah, yeah, it's Real great. Yeah. Look, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you too because I just think that the consciousness of our planet is shifting exponentially right now and that people like you are waking up to their abilities and uh, there's a lot of confusion out there, maybe like when you started. Uh, but, oh, yeah. you know, where we're going as a humanity is we're becoming more self-aware and more aware of our sixth sense, if for a better word, not the best word, but of our psychic abilities or intuitive abilities. And so I I like to talk to people like you that um, have explored it and really understand it to help people understand what they're going through. Just quickly, I wanted to talk about, you know, having an animal because um, that's just one of the best ways to communicate on on that level because animals are not talking to you with their mouths. And anyone that has an animal knows that they communicate with their animal telepathically. Absolutely. Yeah, and that the animal is reading. I have my daughter's dog who stays with me, Marley, and he is just, he reads my mind. It's just incredible. Like, he knows that I'm not going to take him out now. I'll take him out in an hour. And so I say, go out and do a wee. And he looks at me and he's like, no, because if I do a wee, you might not take me out for a walk later. He's just amazing. He's just, he's just like, I know, you know, I don't, you know, like they know, they so know what you think. It's just like, wow, it's so crazy. Yes. They understand everything we say. There's really no exceptions. As long as we're able to communicate it, they can pretty much pick up on it. They understand everything we think. Absolutely. So that extends beyond what we say. It goes to where we think things. And it also includes yeah. outside the home when we're out with our coworkers or on a vacation with our family and they're being kept at a kennel. They hear everything and see everything to an extent, too, because they can tap into us and go, oh, wow, they're at the beach and they didn't yeah. take me. Yeah. Oh, that's not cool. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I've had animals describe physical locations that their family has talked about going to but has never actually visited. <laughs> and so I've got a dog going, yeah, there's this wonderful off-leash park. they got this great bridge <laughs> and this really cool field, and it's just so exciting. It's right on the bay, and, you know, I really want to go. <laughs> And he's describing it in an intimate detail, and I'm describing it to the family, and the family's going, yeah, we know this place, but we've never been there, and this dog's never been there. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, he said he wants to go. Well, we've talked about going there for the last month. We just haven't gone yet. <laughs> yeah, he says it's time to go. Get a move on. Today, I was talking to a rabbit. I was talking to a rabbit today. There's a rabbit named Bobo, and he was so funny. He goes and tells me, he goes, listen. Yeah, there's something else I need. Yeah, that's right. No, I've already got that coming. He tells me what medicine he's taking. And he tells me exactly what it's being delivered in, the dropper, the color of the medicine, and the flavor. Then he goes, but there's something else I want. And it's pink. And it's uh, strawberry flavored. And it, it starts out soft, but it's hard. I really, really want it bad. I can't figure out what it is for life of me. I'm thinking maybe some kind of little vitamin thing or something like that, you know, some extra supplement. Little woman goes, oh, I forgot about a month ago I bought some and I never gave them to him. I put them in a drawer and I forgot. I've got these uh, these yogurt chips and they're strawberry flavored and they're pink. <laughs> <laughs> the rabbit's like, look, ma'am, you got those for me. You put them away a month ago. I'm ready for them. Uh, <clears throat> hello? Could you like bring them out now? Yeah. Oh, so fantastic. He actually has eaten one. He's never had one. But he knows about them. He knows what flavor they are. knows that she's got them. I know. There's no getting away with anything in this world, is there, (laughs) Charles? People are listening. (laughs) People are watching. You are not alone. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't remind me. (laughs) You are never, ever alone. Got a mob. Got a mob looking down on you, watching your every thought and your every move. Oh, well, Charles. Well, it's been a joy. Yeah, it was a real uh, pleasure to connect with you today and be on your show. I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about my story and some of yeah. what I've experienced. 
I heard you having a chat with Sandra Champlain on her show and I just loved your personality. I thought, oh, this guy's, you know, this guy's a riot. Got to chat to this guy because there's plenty of animal communicators here in Australia, but I just thought that I loved the way you told your story and your personality and your sense of humour and I thought, yeah, I've got to ch- chat to this guy. So uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure and a joy. It's been absolutely Yes, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, Charles. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, what a ride that was with Charles Pennon. Isn't he fantastic? Animal communicator, not just animals. He speaks to plants. He speaks to dead people, alive people, spirits, consciousness. How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Well, we can go anywhere our imaginations can take us. If you want to know just how far, come and have a session with me. I can show you your abilities and clear up a bit of understanding about exactly what ghosts are. Albert Einstein said, intellect will take you so far, imagination will take you everywhere. But here's the thing about imagination. There's more to it than just make-believe. We are amazing. We are powerful. We are self-realized. It's exciting times. If you want to listen to more podcasts of Accentuate the Positive Radio, go to iTunes and put in Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain or on my website, karenswain.com slash listen, and you'll see a lot of the people that I've interviewed. You can also find us on Stitcher, Mixcloud, TuneIn, SoundCloud. Make sure you review and rate us if you're listening to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on your smartphone, in your car, anywhere where you want to accentuate the positive and have a better day and know exactly how powerful we are. Thanks again for joining us. Catch you next time. Clap along if you feel like that.